0: hey there herp lovers and those who think i'm talking about an std my name is maddie murray and this is professionally informal a sticky summer's day in shepherd's town and he go in a thermal as a circle now okay hey y'all we're back down it's down been uh, two street. weeks since i uploaded Uh, Because I am new at this and I didn't realize, you know, it's probably a smart idea to have canned episodes for, you know, those weeks where uh, all the stress in your body builds up to the point where your entire tongue breaks out and sores and it hurts to talk, Uh, or the week that follows it where, I don't know, say you're at a training all week and don't actually have time to record, so uh, sorry that me being uh, a complete baby at this, a total newbie at this, resulted in uh, two episode-less weeks, but honestly, I don't think anyone noticed, because I still don't think I'm actually talking to anybody. Now that that's cleared up, uh, let's get on to what we're actually going to be talking about this week. Uh, let's go! So this week, we are talking about campfires and building them safely and properly and all of that really good stuff uh, because fire is fun, it's flirty, it's good to cozy up to you next to someone, it looks real fucking cool, and guess what, folks? It's also really dangerous, so you gotta do it right. And you gotta do it smart if you're gonna go out there and try to have a fire out in the woods. And so I had the idea to talk about this because uh, a couple weeks ago, the place where I work, um, you know, it was recently Valentine's Day. And we were hosting uh, these uh, this sort of night hike event for couples. You know, it was it was actually really nice. Uh, my first thought would not to be to go to the place where I work to go hike around at night in February in Chicago. Uh, That's not my idea of romance, but it was actually really nice, and I see now why everybody loved it. Um, It's definitely our most Instagrammable event. I definitely had fun taking selfies with uh, some of our old lanterns, Uh, and I had a lot of fun building fires. Uh, I'm really lucky. A big part of my job is I get to make a lot of campfires, which I love. If you want an idea of how much I love playing with fire, I gave it up for Lent one year. Hashtag that Catholic life. Am I right? So anyways, I got the idea to uh, talk about this after um, one night when we were having some trouble with some of our fires. And long story short, uh, I had gone around and set up all the fires, staged everything, and a volunteer was left to light them. And let's just say things didn't necessarily go as planned. um, And we had some real trouble getting some fires started, and some of that was, uh, environmental. It had been real wet, and the wood was real wet, but, uh, some of it was, uh, well, let's just say, uh, some of it was human error. Operator error. I think that's the best way to put it. So, you're camping, or you're getting high in the woods with your friends. Uh, don't do that. Or you want to have a romantic night, or you've just got a nice big backyard and you want to have a bonfire for your kids and all their friends, or you're in a survival situation, or really any other number of things where, hey, a fire would be really awesome. Uh, you gotta start at step one. Because fire safety really starts there. And so does, you know, being able to build a good fire. And that is with the pit. Meet me in the pit. Meet me at the pit for a great fire. Yes. So a fire pit can look like a metal structure that you maybe buy at Walmart or Home Depot. I almost said Walgreens. I don't think Walgreens sells fire pits. But, you know, if they did, I'd probably buy one. I bet it wouldn't be too expensive. And, you know, sometimes it's like a metal basin with some feet and it's up off the ground and you just put all your fire stuff in there and light it and it keeps it nice and contained and off the ground. But, like, if you're out on a big-ass hike, if you're out backpacking, if you're out camping... You're not going to carry a metal fi- a metal fire pit with you guys. That's fucking insane. Those things are too heavy. So you make your fire in a pit, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is a small uh, sort of hollowed out area of ground that is firmly packed, uh, usually directly on the dirt, not on any leaf litter or anything. And that is your basin. That's your fire basin. So the pit is really important because it keeps your fire contained. Because it's a bit lower than the ground level, uh, there's less chance of it jumping onto plants, um, which is already uh, shouldn't really be a concern because theoretically this pit should be in a cleared area away from the direct proximity of, you know, any living forest life. And then you take your pit and you surround it with rocks, and that creates a physical barrier, so... Helps keep the fire from moving or jumping, but it also keeps you from, I don't know, accidentally walking into it, I guess? I was gonna say tripping, but honestly, I'm way more likely to trip over rocks. Um... So making your own fire pit is not that hard. Uh, the biggest thing to remember though is that if there's any leaf litter, any ground cover, any you know pine needle beds, you gotta clear all that stuff away because that stuff will go up in smoke and can start a flash fire which isn't good. So you clear all that away. Check. Now you just make your little hole in the ground and you smooth it out and you pat it down and you make sure it's all dirt. Awesome. And then you line it with rocks. Um, it's good to remember where you got the rocks from so you can put them back in the same place. Or if you know you're in a heavily trafficked and camped area, uh, leave them there and leave your fire pit set up. If not, though, you do want to fill that hole back in and you want to put those rocks back where you found them from. If you're camping at, say, a uh, national park or an established uh, campground facility with a local forest reserve, chances are there will already be a fire pit there established and ready for you. Uh, this was the case back in September. I took a kayaking trip around the Apostle Islands National Lakeshore. We did some island hopping on Lake Superior. So much fun. 10 out of 10 would recommend. I'll talk about that another week. But each campsite we were at had a already pre-established firing. A nice smooth pit. Um, some of them were quite big, which was really nice. Surrounded by rocks, just to make sure that nothing got in there that shouldn't. And So you gotta start with that pit, you cannot just build your fire on solid ground. If you are trying to do a beach fire, same thing. You want to dig out a little pit to uh, build that fire. If not, you'll just have a harder time in general and it will not be as safe. Now some people will advocate for what's called a mound fire. I personally have never used a mound fire, mostly because I have not been in situations where it was the better or easier option. But a mound fire is basically a, um, it's a, it's a little mound. It's a little mountain that you make with maybe your, uh, poop shovel. And you make, like, a little, a little mound of dirt, flatten it out on top. Maybe, like, you know, six inches high, six to twelve. And then that's the base of your fire. It uh, keeps it up off of everything, and then when your fire's done, you just flatten it back out. So it's literally the exact inverse of a fire pit. Uh, but again, I've never used them. I'm I'm a big fan of pits. I like saying, "Meet me in the pit. Meet me at the pit if you want an ass kicking. Meet me at the pit for some fireside chats. I like the pit. It's a it's a good pit. It's a good thing. Gimme them fire pits. <laughs> it's also uh you want to make sure if you're gonna be building your own fire pit or if you're in an area that's uh got so little traffic that there aren't already established fire pits, you do want to check with the agency whose land you're camping on what are the rules for building fires. Uh, For a number of reasons, fires could be banned. Most obviously, if it is an exceptionally dry season, you do not want to risk a forest fire. Uh, That is really shitty. If there were rules saying, hey, don't make a fire between the months of July and September, don't build a fucking fire. Those rules exist for a reason, and that is because out-of-control he- forest fires a lot of times start from small camping fires that are not built in legal ways or are built improperly, and we want to avoid those. The whole ecology side of forest fires is a whole other thing that I'll talk about another week, uh, but these rampant out-of-control fires that are accidentally started, we want we want to avoid those as much as possible. So make sure you always check with the uh, local laws, regulations, and policies for wherever you're going to be building this fire. Um, If you're just trying to build one in your backyard, chances are you're fine, unless you live in a drought area or, like, California. But, um, just want to always make sure that you're not putting the forest and yourselves at risk with your fire. Okay, so the next thing you'll need, you need that Wood. Got to get that wood. So there's like three main kinds of wood that will go in to your fire once, you know, you're ready to burn it. Um, and they sort of increase in size. So the first is Tinder and not the app, unfortunately. I mean, uh, fortunately, let's be real. I, that app is something else. But this is uh, your small, small twigs, dry leaves, uh, forests, just like stuff, like anything really light and flammable. It could be cotton, it could be dry grass, uh, pine needles, things that you find on the ground, uh, a lot of that leaf litter can be really good, and this is the stuff that'll catch the spark. This is the stuff that'll really, really get it going. Um, if you're using fire starters, which I always recommend, it is in this day and age, fire starters are really light, they're really affordable, Just, just good to have, so much easier. Uh, the fire starter will take the place of your tinder a lot of times it'll burn longer than traditional tinder which gives your fire more time to get established oh hi puppy i'm dog sitting right now you guys for a very very small very cute dog and she's here with her paws on my lap do you want to record come here come up come on cooker girl oh there we go now she's on my lap so sorry about uh everything fire starters are awesome. And then the next category up from fire starters are kindling. This is smaller wood. Um, it's usually not very fat. Usually, rule of thumb, is about an inch to an inch and a half around. Nice for it to be pretty, uh, pretty dry, pretty small. This is the stuff that'll first, after that initial light, this is the stuff that'll get the fire really starting to spread, really starting to get it healthy. And then, Finally, it's the firewood, the main fuel, the, the big wood that will keep, (laughs) the big wood. I hate that. The, the big pieces of fuel that'll keep your fire going, you know, throughout the night for as long as you need to, it's what you'll need to make the coals that you'll have to cook on. It is the, the heart of the fire, really. It's what people think of when they think of a campfire. You know, if you Google campfire clip art, you get pictures of a couple, like, you know, cut logs and some flames that that's what it is now there are some really important things to uh think about when gathering firewood um we'll probably talk more in depth about this at a different date but the first thing is uh you only want to gather downed wood uh that's you know dead and dry you don't want to take it off of trees or anything Uh, The second is you don't want to be bringing in your own wood. Uh, Different uh, parasites, illnesses can be spread from firewood that is transported from state to state. Most famously, I'd say at the moment, is the emerald ash borer. And, uh, even just by carrying wood as little as, like, 25 miles, you could be spreading, uh, various invasive species or diseases from just, like, one county to the other if you're transporting firewood. So, uh, you want to buy it where you burn it is, is the saying, especially one that I like. I think I have it on my water bottle as a sticker. But, uh, buy it where you burn it. Don't bring in your wood from out of state. Don't bring it from far away. That's just too big a risk. And also, y'all, firewood is so heavy. And it's a pain to transport, and it'll make the back of your car all dirty. It's just not worth it. Buy it where you burn it. Another small etiquette thing, like if you're interested, is um, a lot of times if you will go to a campsite, especially at a national park, especially uh, harder to get to campsites, a lot of times you'll get there, and there will already be wood there waiting for you. Yes! That's wonderful. That is the polite thing to do. So you can use that wood and then you might not have to gather as much, but make sure you are leaving just as much, if not more, wood for the next people. It's just a nice thing to do. It's how you can pay it forward when you're in the backcountry and everyone's uh, cold and miserable after a long day kayaking and you want to get a fire started. Not that I have any experience with that. That's a lie. I do, but it's just the nice thing to do. The actual construction of your fire. This can actually be a really vital, important part of building a good, healthy, strong campfire. So there are three general structures that you'll see for building a fire. The first is a cone. The second is log cabin. And the third is pyramid. And when I say structures for building a fire, I mean physical diagrams for placing the wood in a way that allows the fire to spread easiest and allows enough oxygen to get in there. So I uh, have a preference in this. I'll talk about that after, but first we'll just go through each one and talk about basically how you do it. So the first is a cone. This is the stereotypical you know clip art campfire image. It looks like a teepee is I guess the best way to put it. I don't know if I want to put it like that. Um, And it's got the fire coming from, you know, inside under the logs. It's a, you know, popular classic one. Uh, It's not the easiest necessarily because you do have to balance all the wood up against each other. But it allows for a really good amount of airflow into your uh, Tinder and Kindling. And it's really easy to access all of your Tinder and all of your Kindling after you've set up the different sides of the teepee. Because it's got those big holes in it, you can just like reach right in there with your lighter. So the second, uh, I'd say most common is the log cabin, which uh, is less classical looking, but I'd say it's probably even more common than the cone structure, because it is a lot easier to construct. Uh, So if you've ever played with Lincoln Logs, you will have a pretty good idea of how to do this. But basically, you make a base. And that base is two pieces of firewood, and you're sitting them parallel. And then you take two more pieces of firewood, and you put them perpendicular on top of those two parallel pieces. So you make a square. And then you put all this—you put all your tinder and your kindling on the inside of the square. And you keep adding layers of firewood, building your little Lincoln log cabin uh, as you go up. And you want to make sure you're getting smaller and smaller with each layer then finally, you want to put kindling and tinder across the top layer of that log cabin just to help everything catch. So I am a big fan of this one. Um, It doesn't necessarily always have as good of an airflow as the cone does. Uh, You want to make sure you're not putting a top on it to sort of cap it and suffocate it but it is really, really easy to build, really user friendly, really good if you're uh, just starting to learn how to build campfires. And if you're like, how is this going to jump from the wood from... So if you're like, how's this fire going to jump from the kindling to the wood? Well, there's a couple ways to do that. The first is you can make sure the kindling is completely covering the top of the log cabin. Or what I do is I will very often put three pieces on that bottom layer But the middle one will be pretty small. It'll be a bit more like kindling than a piece of actual wood. And that's where I put my tinder and everything. So it's starting out on a big piece of wood. And I feel like for whatever reason, it's more likely than a jump to the actual logs. I don't know if that's true. It's just what I frequently like to do. And so the final is the pyramid. Um, I'm going to quickly say I have never actually used the pyramid method. I have read about it uh, because I guess that's just my fucking life now As I read about the theory behind different fire starting methods. I'm a really exciting, interesting person. I swear to God. Um, but just just know I haven't actually done this one. So you take uh, your biggest logs and you put them side by side on the bottom. And then you take logs and you put them on top of those perpendicularly but you'd make sure that they're not going all the way out past your base layer. And then you put another layer on top of those ones that are going the same way as the bottom ones. So it looks like, wait for it, hold on, a pyramid. Woohoo! And then you put your kindling and your tinder on top, and the idea is the fire grows down. I'm not as into it because uh, if you've ever held a matchstick upside down, you'll find that the fire tends to climb up really quickly if you invert it, Uh, whereas in a pyramid, you're more expecting it to burn down through all the logs, and I just don't think that's as efficient, and I don't think it's as good as getting a uh, a hot coal bed, which sometimes you really do need a hot coal bed if you're going to be cooking out in the woods. Now one thing your fire might need as it is getting started is a bit of extra air, which at first can seem a bit, I don't know, counterintuitive to people because if your only experience with fire is blowing out birthday candles, too much air puts out a fire. And yes, that's true, but oxygen is also a key ingredient in maintaining a strong and healthy fire. So uh, this is the point where you might want to blow on your fire a little bit. I have my absolute Favorite camping tool ever. A pocket bellows. This is basically a, let's uh, would say it's two and a half foot long, almost three foot long, extendable, basically straw, uh, it telescopes up. Uh, it starts out like three inches and it telescopes out real big. It's made of aluminum. And what happens is there's a wide end and a narrow end. And you blow into the into the uh, wide end and it delivers a nice, strong, concentrated air blast to a very specific part in the fire and can really help get that thing launched. It is my favorite camping tool of all time. It has saved my butt so many times. I could, like even last weekend, I think I used it like six times to get a couple fires restarted that were nothing but uh, some coals and some slightly damp wood would recommend if you're a, a backpacker or if you just think you're going to be doing a lot of camping uh it keeps you from, you know, splashing ash and different embers everywhere if you were like to fan it with a garbage can lid best tool ever but so at this point if you're like my fire's having trouble taking off uh blow on it that's get down close and just pucker those lips and blow And then if you're still having trouble, maybe add some more, you know, kindling and tinder and everything. I keep wanting to say kindlering, which isn't correct. And I think that's my brain trying to combine tinder and kindle, which are very similar sounding words. And the less I say kindle, the less I'm convinced that it is an actual word. Oh, well. And finally, what is arguably the most important part of having a good and safe campfire is extinguishing it. According to the National Forest Council, in 2018, 89% of wildfires were caused by humans, uh, and we don't want to be the cause of that. Now, does that necessarily mean they were all caused by campfires? No. Shout out to you, PG&E. Fuck you. But uh, it does mean that, yeah, campfires most likely played a role. So in the ideal situation, what you do is you take a big old bucket to, bucket of water and you just dump it on that fire. You drown out all of the embers, every ember there. Doesn't matter if it's red. Doesn't matter if it's gray. Doesn't matter if it's black, until the hissing sound stops. This is actually one of my favorite parts because all of a sudden you dump this water on it and everything just goes like. <laughs> And it's just a big cloud of steam and it's like, oh, there's a fucking dragon in there. And it's really fun to pretend. I just really enjoy that part. And you just want to keep, you know, dumping on water till there's no more hissing. But sometimes you don't have water. So there's a couple other things you can do. So if you don't have water, what you can do is take a ton of sand and dirt. Uh, It could be dirt that you cleared out from building your pit. And you want to put it in the fire and mix it around. Not with your hands. Use a shovel or a really big sturdy stick uh, so you don't hurt yourself. And just stir it like a big old witch's broom. And then that will extinguish the fire because the dirt will get in there and drown out all of the oxygen. It'll disrupt all the fuel and your fire will be safely put out. And then if you have any uh, big remaining logs or sticks, you do want to pull those out, break them up, Make sure they get really buried in the dirt so that they fully and properly go out. And you want to keep on doing that uh, with either water or dirt until the fire is completely cool. If you are someone who is into winter camping, uh, you have another option available to you, and that is using snow. Snow is just water. That's what snow is. Take some big shovels of snow, dump it on there, mix it up, add some more snow dump it on mix it up Uh, I'd say mixing is a bit more important with snow because the top layer might get really cold really fast and there might be embers underneath that are still red but the snow on top is just sitting there unmelted so it looks like oh this fire is all cool but guess what it might not be especially if you're using a fire pit So you really want to make sure you mix it up really well if you're using snow to put out your campfire. I'm sitting here making big mixing arm gestures. No one can see me. So that's just what you need to visualize right now. A good rule of thumb to go by is that if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. If you cannot touch your embers, if they will burn you, then they could burn something else. They could start a forest fire. They could cause harm to local wildlife or local plant life. You need to figure out how to cool those down and only then can you leave your campsite if you're in the backcountry if you do a lot of backcountry camping uh chances are then you don't really need to listen to this to know how to make a campfire because i'd hope you would know how to make one safely i hope i hope i hope to god but if you are in the backcountry um you want to take but if you are in the backcountry you want to take any big charcoal pieces that are left walk far away from your site far away from any water sources Crunch them all up in your hands. Get your hands all black and charcoaly, And then scatter them like dust in the wind. And then Kansas will play majestically behind you. Fun fact, I had to learn how to play dust in the wind on my violin when I was in orchestra my sophomore year of high school. I still know how to play it. Now you know. And then, of course, take apart any structures you might have built. Especially if you're far in the backwoods and you built a fire ring. If you do not believe that mother... If you do not believe that other people will be coming to camp there within the season, try to put those rocks back where you found them uh, or as close to where you found them as you can. Maybe even try and put the dirt back in where you dug out your pit. Uh, If not, if you used that to put out your fire, that's fine because it's already back in there. And just dismantle any other structures that you built. Leave it as you found it, if not better. Before we end, I did want to do a little bit of campfire troubleshooting ideas um, because <laughs> troubleshooting a campfire isn't that bad. Chances are it's one of, I don't know, two things that might be keeping your fire from really getting off. Um, and I just wanted to make sure I emphasize those again. The first is if your wood, tinder, or kindling is damp in any way, that can make it really hard to get your fire started. a a damp piece of wood, some damp grass, damp kindling, will not take off as quickly, will not take off as well, as nice dry wood, uh, so make sure that that's not a concern. If you get a fire started and you have one going, and you're like, okay, I have all this wood left, Uh uh-oh, all this wood is damp, what you can do is line up those pieces of wood near your pit and let them sit there and dry out by the side of the fire once it's going. And the second, you know, if you're like, oh, you know, this wood is really dry. We've got a fire starter. We've got some nice tinder, some nice kindling. This fire just isn't taking off. Make sure your fire can get enough oxygen. Make sure that all uh, all sides of it, really, one from each cardinal direction, can be accessed and air can get in there. If you have a pocket bellows, use that. Get some extra air in there. If you don't, Blow on it like you're blowing out a candle, or use a, I don't know, a fan, a uh, lid, something, to just wave air onto it because there's a good chance it could be that your fire is not getting enough air. Uh, in some cases, I recently had to do this to a fire that someone else started. Sometimes you do have to remove uh, full pieces of wood if you've got a lot of real big logs jammed into a pretty small place. That. sounds like a really weird sexual innuendo and I don't want to unpack it, thank you very much. Remove some of those. Pull them out, stick them to the side, and start from smaller pieces, basically. Uh, Make sure that the ones that you're leaving in there are nice and small, or replace them with much smaller, thinner pieces, because if you have only those big, giant ones in there, the air cannot get to your fire as effectively and it will suffocate. So chances are, if you're having problems with your fire, there's a good chance it's going to be one of those two things. And then, of course, the other big fire safety thing is don't leave your fire unattended and make sure it doesn't get too big. Make sure it's put out all the way and you'll be just fine. And make sure uh, you're not building your fires in places where you're not supposed to. Always follow any local or departmental rules and guidelines when you're building a campfire. And everything should be okay. Okay. And that about does it for this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to Josh Woodward for the use of his song, Learn to Fly, as the intro and outro of our program. Hey, talk to us. Send us uh, questions or comments. Anything that you have about, you know, natural history or the natural world or even just strange interactions you've had with guests at maybe a place that you work or volunteer with. And you can email us at professionallyinformal@gmail.com, at or, hey, connect with us on Twitter. Uh, tweet about us and we'll give you a shout-out. You can find us at Informal Pod on Twitter. You can find us on pretty much any major podcast hosting platform. If you do like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes. That would really help with the visibility. We have a very small audience right now because we are so new. But uh, share us with a friend. Tell your friendly neighborhood docent about us. Unless they're a really old person who doesn't like swearing, then I don't fucking know what to tell you. Because I like to swear. Because I think it makes me cool. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. I'm Maddie Murray, and this has been Professionally Informal. And remember, education is not just for the classroom. Do what you gonna to